On September 2nd, 2011, the San Diego County Sheriff's Department gave the following statement. Rebecca received news regarding Max's grave condition at about 10 minutes to one in the morning. She made the decision to take her own life. She removed her clothing or was already unclothed, perhaps coming out of the shower, painted the message on the door, cut the rope into sections and secured the rope to the bed. She bound her feet, placed the rope and the shirt around her neck, fashioned her wrist bindings and secured her hands behind her back. Rebecca moved out to the balcony, leaned forward over the railing and fell. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the circumstances surrounding Rebecca Zahau's death that led police to this assessment, and you can determine for yourself if you agree. I'm Laura. I'm here with my two best friends, Colby and Marina, and this is Grim. have so many questions (laughs) i thought you might you will through this whole episode i have just one just who in the history of human beings has ever fastened their own hands behind their back before doing this so the Mm -hmm. only you just asked that question and my thought was maybe someone who's really really serious and doesn't want their gut instincts to kick in and grab at the rope Mm -hmm. to save themselves because that would be like your first instinct if you can't breathe you would be pulling at what's on Mm -hmm. your neck so if you're like damn yeah it's so dark dark. we will start out dark oh yeah this is this is intense um it there is a lot you'll have a lot of questions like that we will have a lot of discussion like that and we may not have a lot of answers so um is marina pre-mad i was just gonna (laughs) say i'm pre-mad again pre-mad not pre-med i you know i remembered from last time never Mm -hmm. never Mm. (laughs) pre-med no no you did do well pre-law is that what is that what undergrad is called I didn't do it, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could call it pre-law, but I ma- I didn't major in right. like, okay. law or political science. I majored in criminal justice. Law. Law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is, this is going to be a long one. Um, I will tell you that in preparation for this case, I read a 400-page book, watched three different documentaries, and I read countless articles online, because this is relatively recent. Um, I had over 50 pages of notes and uh this is gonna be a two-parter so by yeah. the way i just want to let all of our <laughs> listeners know that this was a case that laura picked out as a simple one and she was going to expedite mm-hmm. the research because i was going on vacation mm-hmm. and then she was like guys i have a problem <laughs> and um yeah 50 pages of notes later here we are with a, a two-parter for yep. this super simple quick filler case <laughs> but as a result we got um the haunted cemeteries that was fun so yeah yeah all right so in the first part we're going to talk about the main i say characters i you know the people involved and the events leading up to max's accident i'll tell you who he is and rebecca's death and i will share with you the details of both of those scenes as well as initial statements and questioning and uh and what happens there 
then in part two, we'll dive into the investigation, evidence, and the trial. I will leave you in suspense as to whose trial. I promise, Colby, I'm not copying you. We just do the same types of cases. <laughs> <laughs> so did you want me to uh, aggressively berate you the whole episode? Toxicology like reports. Give them to me now. Uh, no. What's in the box? <laughs> whose no. trial? You, you will have lots of questions, and I will try to answer them, but, but maybe not. We'll see. Shall we? Pre-mad. Yes. Pre-mad, yeah. Go ahead. Hit it. <laughs> Let me tell you about Rebecca so we can get a picture of who this case is about. So Rebecca Zahao was born on March 15th, 1979 as a tribal princess in the Chin Hills of Burma, which is Myanmar now, where her father and grandfather were tribal leaders. Yes, I had the same reaction because, oh, I also, I meant to write this in my notes, but I wanted to give a shout out to Colby's sister who suggested this case and also blame her for the not quick case. (laughs) No, but seriously, it's, it's an awesome case. And I only knew very little about it when she suggested it. And the fact that Rebecca was a tribal princess was not one of the facts that I knew. I did not know. The grim fact? Grim fact. Hmm. Oh, that was early. Where's nice. me and Mars at Idaho? Oh, don't ask. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. About that. Uh, it's near Torrington. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is there a grocery store there? No. Okay. No, only in no. Torrington. Okay. I think. Uh, I was being facetious. By Mesopotamia. The way. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's correct, but that's what my brain thinks. <laughs> okay. I was in a geography B in sixth grade. You can trust me. Okay. Wait, but you. Okay. I really was though. Yeah. But I don't actually know if it's there. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't either. Uh, All right. So before she was born, her father, Robert, had been away in Thailand when there was a coup and he was imprisoned when he returned. And it was after he got out of prison that he and his wife had Rebecca's sister, whose name is Mary, and then Rebecca. They would have two more children. Rebecca's younger sister, Snowem. It's Snow and then E.M. So I think I'm I think that's correct. And Zena. The family moved to Nepal in 1981, where they lived for 10 years. And they were very poor at this time, so poor that they would scatter breadcrumbs on their table in hopes that pigeons would come across so they could catch them and eat them, that that kind of poor. But they were tribal royalty? Not anymore, because they had moved to Nepal after there was a coup. Oh. Yeah. You and did just say that. My I did. brain didn't. Yeah. And, okay. and also, I, w- I was wrong. That It is not geographically. <laughs> <laughs> it is closer to India. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. That, that's near Idaho, right? Definitely. More so. Yeah. Okay. Maybe more so, yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We're really smart, guys. Uh, So, understandably, being that poor really affected her. Her friends and family said she always said she never wanted to be penniless again. Eventually, though, they were able to move to Germany when Rebecca was 16. And then she went to Austria uh, to Calvary Chapel Bible College Europe, where she met a man named Neil Nalipa in January 2001. And they started to date six months later. He was there for a semester abroad, having attended the same college, but the California chapter of it. Uh, He was four years older than Rebecca, and the two became engaged that November when Neil came to Germany to ask Rebecca's family for her hand in marriage. How long were they together before he proposed? January to November, so pretty pretty quick. When you know, you know, I guess. I think so. And he did go to, to Germany to ask for her family's blessing, which he got. So with their blessing, she joined Neil in New York in April of the following year on a fiancé visa, but it was almost expired, so they got married in that May. Rebecca was intelligent and obviously well-traveled. She had been uh, around the globe. She spoke six languages. She worked a ton of hard jobs. Well, Neil couldn't hold down a job. This was one of the problems she had with him. She also told her sisters that he was abusive, which he, of course, denied, but we're not sure. 
uh, Rebecca repeatedly left Neil, sometimes for days or even weeks at a time, only to come back to him. The couple moved to California in 2004, hoping for a fresh start where uh, Rebecca did get a respectable job as an assistant at a LASIK eye center. Unfortunately, life was no shinier in California. Rebecca had a miscarriage when she was there. Mm. Now, around this same time, Rebecca was helping with a fundraiser and met a man named Michael Berger, a, or Berger. We'll, we'll say Berger, so Cole doesn't laugh. <laughs> Sorry, my immediate reaction was to get I don't know. I think, well, I don't know. Berger is, whatever, we're just going to call him Michael. He is a martial arts instructor. They started talking. Michael was single and thought Rebecca was because she wasn't wearing a ring. And from the way she was talking to him, she seemed single. Rebecca was only 25 and he was 46. After talking, I didn't, I didn't expect that. No, <laughs> no. Why? Because Burger, the Berg. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just Mike, Michael Berger is yeah. like a, a young chap. Yeah, I think of like a twenty-three-year-old. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. Like a like a stock analyst or something. That's what I yeah. imagine. Oh, I was yeah. thinking I like a surfer. Yeah. Well, he was a martial arts instructor. So she, so she likes older men so mm-hmm. far. Yep. And uh, so they talk, and they she agreed to go on a date, and the first date was a hit. She they continued dating and she started spending weekends at his place. They and, lived, and she's married. Oh, yeah. Okay. They lived about 90 minutes apart. And in fact, I wrote, you might be wondering what Neil thought about yeah. all of this. Yeah. Well, just like she had in New York, she was often leaving him and he knew that she would occasionally date other men, but he obviously didn't like it. But he considered the alternative divorce worse because he really loved her and believed that she was the love of his life. That's so sad. Yeah. It is. And it's it, like really it's sad for someone to accept that someone's treating them like that because yeah. they can't imagine their life exactly. without them. Wow. Exactly. And, you know, she would so definitely emotionally manipulate him and just, oh, I want to come back to you. And yeah, rough time for him. Um, they don't have any children yet, right? There was just correct. the one miscarriage. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Back to the extramarital relationship, Rebecca did finally tell Michael that she was, quote unquote, separated and going through divorce, which was not true. Although I guess kind of was separated, but not legally. She said it had been an arranged marriage by her father, who she was afraid of, and she was also afraid of Neil. She painted Neil as an abusive, drug-addicted scum to the point where Michael encouraged her, obviously, to leave Neil and move in with him, which she did in March of 2005, just a year after she and Neil moved to California. Only a month after that, Michael said she didn't come home right after work. She was always very prompt. So at six, Michael called her, no answer. A few hours later, he called her coworker and friend Tiffany, who also hadn't heard from her. He still hadn't heard from her the next day. So that night he went to the police and filed a report. The next day he got a call from her she was crying and her voice was shaky and she said she didn't know where she was and that quote they took me but didn't say who and then abruptly ended the call he said it sounded echoey kind of like a restroom and she had called several more times and she said that the, her abductors let her use the restroom so she could call but she did call multiple times so maybe she went to the restroom multiple times so michael documented each one and told the police obviously he said tiffany got the same calls And then the police said they talked to her, Rebecca, and that Rebecca said she was fine and the police wouldn't do anything else. Wait, (laughs) Rebecca said she was fine like it didn't happen or she was fine? All Michael knows is that when he kept reporting to the police, they said, nope, we talked to her. She's fine. But she's telling him and her coworker, Tiffany, they took me. That's correct. They're only letting, they're letting me use the bathroom. So that's why I'm calling you. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
so he this poor guy he's like i'm gonna go to the fbi the police yeah i don't know they're corrupt whatever i'm gonna go to the fbi and they wouldn't do anything because it was local but rebecca kept calling him with one of the final calls being on speakerphone with her some seemingly reading a statement saying that it was over between them and a male voice threatened him then three days later she showed up at his house she told him neil and two other men were waiting for her outside of work and kidnapped her so michael understandably brought her to the police station where she away from michael so michael was kind of in the waiting room and they talked to her she told police that she was fine she had met with neil after work and they decided to reconcile so she didn't want to be considered a missing person anymore okay rebecca's being like super sketch yep so michael didn't know any of this I'm trying to figure out what her angle is here because she like they weren't making demands for ransom or anything like that. Nope. It was just he, she's just telling them they took me. Yep. And then a couple of days later, she left again. He didn't call the police because he was kind of like, I guess that didn't work last time. But she called him a day later saying she was in Portland, Oregon. She stayed there emailing him about how happy she was and that she loved him. So this was now voluntary, not saying who she was with or what she was doing, mm-hmm. but she got a job there. And then she wasn't happy there, so she decided to go live with her sister in Missouri. And she's telling Michael all this. And then finally, in late July, she went to California with her sisters, didn't visit him, so he broke up with her. He was like, all right, that's I, I've been strung along long enough. Is she still married to Neil at this point? Yes. Okay. Because what was actually happening during all of this is Neil perfectly fine had just brought her to portland oregon because his brother had a house there and that was an attempt for them to have a fresh start so she needed an excuse to be more than 90 minutes away uh so things were still not great with neil and rebecca as you might imagine so she really did go stay with her sister in missouri but he god bless him still wanted to try so months later he got a job in pennsylvania so now we're back across the country and she agreed to go with him but they weren't living together she started dating yet another someone else um, a wealthy computer business owner. So you may be sensing a theme. And Neil had, at this point, just had enough. So he left. Neil moved to Colorado, where he started dating someone. Now, somehow, Rebecca found out. And now she says, oh, I want to give it another try. So wow, she moves she's to Colorado. Manipulator. Totally. So she moves to Colorado for two years with him and did some work on herself. Unfortunately, not the kind that she probably needed. She got LASIK and implants. Mm. Breast implants, in case you're wondering. Not eye implants or other things related to LASIK. <laughs> I was like, also, what's wrong with LASIK? <laughs> Not, nothing, but she's just like, probably should go see a therapist first. Yep. You know? So in 2008, they moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, and Neil says this is a joint decision, but Rebecca told her sisters that she moved alone. They're really all over the country. Very That's what much. I'm thinking. They're yeah. bouncing everywhere. We've got Missouri, Oregon, California, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. New York. Yep. What? Yep. Okay. Yeah. All over the place looking for those fresh starts. Arizona. Yeah. In April 2009, so they're in uh, Arizona at this point, she was caught shoplifting jewelry from a Macy's. She pled guilty to a misdemeanor, agreeing to pay a fine and to take a course program. And it effectively uh, was off her record. So she met Jonah. We'll talk about in a moment. In October 2009, when Jonah was getting his eyes checked at the optometrist where she worked. He asked her out. She agreed. She was still with Neil. I say with kind of in quotes because obviously she was married to him, but she was not with him. And finally, this was the final straw and they separated and Neil filed for divorce in August 2010, which was finalized in February 2011. 
Now, Rebecca allegedly didn't know who Jonah was or how successful he is, even though her coworkers talked about it. And you probably don't know who Jonah is either. So let me tell you about him. Jonah Shacknai was born in December 1956. His father owned his own business and his mother was a teacher and guidance counselor. I don't have much more information about his parents, but sadly, they did both pass away from cancer, his mother in 1999 and his father in 2016. The family, which included his younger brother, Adam, lived in Suffern, New York, which is right on the border of New York and New Jersey, north of Manhattan. He excelled in high school. He was the editor of his school newspaper, and he also worked at an ice cream shop. His success in school earned him a congressional internship, and he went to college at Colgate University, smarty, where he majored in political science. (laughs) Also political science. I'm so smart. (laughs) A very useful skill. You're like a great university. (laughs) Yeah. He worked through college, tending bar and working as a short order cook. He graduated in 1978 and went to law school at Georgetown University while simultaneously working full-time for U.S. Representative James Shewer. In fact, he was one of the youngest chiefs of staff. After law school, he eventually became a senior partner of a law firm in D.C. where he worked as a strategic advisor to pharmaceutical clients. And I'm guessing, yeah, exactly. Um, he made cash, money, oh, money, yeah. money, 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 <laughs> oh, money. So that's only the beginning. I'm guessing that it was through that experience that he gained the expertise that combined, probably with his father's entrepreneurial spirit, would allow him to start his own company in 1988. He served as the chairman and CEO of Medicis Pharmaceutical Corps, which produced cosmetic drugs like the wrinkle filler Restylane. The company, just to give you an idea of his success, the company was bought out in 2012 for $3.6 billion with a B. So he did all right. Money, 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 money. Yeah. So if Jonah is a vision of capital success, his younger brother, Adam, was not. But seemingly by choice, he was more independent, wanted a slower lifestyle than Jonah. He did start college at George Washington University once he had graduated high school in 1981, but dropped out after a couple years. He worked some odd jobs around the country, ending up in Memphis in 1987, where he worked as a river guide. His love of boats took him to learn the ropes, and I wrote, haha, get it, <laughs> <laughs> on a tugboat in 1990, and he finally became captain in 1997. He did end up going back to college at the University of Memphis, graduating in 2000. And during this time, he met his long-term girlfriend, Mary, in 1992. She was almost 18 years older than him. He's now 47. But they seem to be on the same page, including never wanting to get married and never even living together. But it worked for them. Do you? Exactly. Unlike his brother, Jonah had no problem committing. His issue was remaining committed. So he married a woman named Kim James, who he met at a medical convention in 1993. A couple of years later, he relocated the company's headquarters and himself and his wife to Arizona. Although they had two children together, Jonah and Kim's marriage was rocky, and I'm sure the move probably didn't help. So it was there that he met Dina, a pharmaceutical saleswoman who ended up working for him at Medicis. What definitely further hurt Jonah and Kim's marriage was the fact that Jonah became romantically involved with Dina during their marriage. So understandably, Jonah and Kim divorced in 2000. As an aside, she probably made out the best out of anyone in this in this case because she wasn't involved in anything else I'm about to tell you and at the time of their divorce Jonah and Kim's joint tax return showed an income of about 17 million in income 
Like not net worth income. Oh, that's some nice alimony checks she gonna be getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's 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 good. I can't even comprehend. I, I, no. I mean, they say that you live f- at your means for your means. What is what is this the saying? I don't know because um, Laura's mother-in-law and Laura have told me I live at my credit limit, not at my means or beneath my <laughs> means. I mean, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Facts. So I mean, if you are making seventeen million, mm-hmm. you just. Spend up to yep. that amount, mm-hmm. and then you'd be like, "Well, I couldn't possibly cut anything out of my life." <laughs> no. Like, nope. I need all seventeen cars that I own. Basically, I need a personal yacht waxer. How could I ever live without well, that? Well, are you gonna wax your own yacht? No, that exactly. would just be preposterous. Yeah, wax that my is own exactly yacht. the word you have to use yep. for that. <laughs> preposterous, absurd. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, Jonah married Dina in two thousand two, and in two thousand five, they had a son, Max. They were living in Arizona and spending their summers in Coronado, which is a beautiful resort town in San Diego County filled with multi-million dollar homes that Jonah had fallen in love with after going there on a business trip in the 80s. In 2007, Jonah purchased the waterfront Spreckles Mansion for a cool $12.7 million. Something about the Spreckles Mansion, yes. though, doesn't sound... It sounds like it no. would be like a clown palace. It makes me think of Spackle, like that you put on the wall. Uh, but it wasn't. It was very nice. I'm and sure. I'll for... tell you why it was named that because I okay. I thought that might you might you might have had a comment on the name. So the Spreckles Mansion was named so after John D. Spreckles, heir to a sugar manufacturing fortune, who built it in 1908. See and... now I wish it was the Sprinkles Mansion. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> that was yeah. way better. Yeah. So John Sprinkles had no. Just <laughs> yes. Tell me the story that way. Thank you. John Spreckles had gotten inv- involved in Coronado when he invested in the Hotel Del Coronado a few years earlier and that was actually the same hotel that jonah had stayed on his business trip a little history lesson there so on the outside jonah and dina appeared to have a great life uh, but unfortunately their marriage was rocky escalating to repeated domestic violence reports from both of them that would ultimately lead them to filing for divorce in late 2008 are there any uh loving monogamous relationships in this tale no okay (laughs) Okay. (laughs) they all seem pretty actually actually adam and mary seem to be all right but they're not married and they don't live together so take from that what you will (laughs) i read the other day that the number one reason for divorce is marriage (laughs) so there you go i might just believe that (laughs) Uh, also when i wrote late 2008 i i was thinking 2000 and late (laughs) i just had to say that and also note that the domestic violence reports it literally was a he said she said like one night dina went down and then filed the report and then came back and then when she came back jonah went down and filed his report it was it was nasty so the divorce was finalized only a couple weeks before jonah would meet rebecca rebecca moved into the spreckles sprinkles mansion in march 2010 jonah's teenaged kids cindy and kevin from his marriage with kim weren't happy they had discussed generally but not specifically and she did it while jonah was visiting his parents and hadn't told the kids yet so she briefly moved her stuff out only to move it back in once things had calmed down. She brought Ocean, her 14-month-old Weimaraner, to live with her. Weimaraner's a kind of dog for you non-dog <laughs> I people. I did know that. Okay. They're, they're related to the Visla, right? They're the brown ones with the shiny coats? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Wow. Look at me with the I dog know. facts. Oh, my gosh. You can jump into a van with puppies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She loved Max but had trouble getting along with Cindy. Kind of understandably. Also, Jonah had noted some weird behavior with Rebecca, including her extreme reactions to food being wasted, 
probably a nod to her being poor and not having much to eat. Yeah, I would think so. And her love to take posed photos when they went somewhere that they then put up in the house, which also isn't that weird. I don't know. But I feel like you should judge every celebrity then. Yeah. Yeah, she'd she'd be very normal now posting right. everything on I Instagram. I guess that's true. Yeah. This was 2011, 2010-ish. No, 2011. So anyway, Rebecca would frequently tell Jonah about her ex, Neil, and how abusive he was, and but never agreed to get a restraining order when Jonah suggested it because he, she always said he was calling her yep. and all this stuff. But Rebecca quit her job early in 2011 because she said one of the doctors was harassing her. So Jonah gave her an allowance equaling that salary, access to his credit cards. And since she had been sending money to her parents every month, he paid for that too, which is very nice. They're not even married. I, I want that arrangement, please. Yeah, where can we find Jonah? I, I think you may want to hold that. Okay. I, I think you may want to hold okay. that. Maybe. You have to pay for it in the end. Is it still <laughs> worth it? Yes. How many years do I get? <laughs> So Dina and her twin sister, Nina, I kid you not, yep, did some digging on Rebecca since she was spending so much time around Dina's son and found that she was still married to Neil, which we know, but (laughs) Jonah Jonah doesn't, and had been previously arrested for shoplifting. I don't know how they found that, but they were pretty good. When Jonah confronted Rebecca about the shoplifting claim, she said she had been holding the jewelry and had gotten an upsetting call. And so that's why she ran out and Jonah believed her. That's a pretty good story. It is. I um, have been with people who have forgotten they've had something yeah, in their hand yep. or something like that and walked out. And she had no record. You know, it clearly wasn't a, a big thing. So must not have been that expensive. No, of a piece of I think jewelry. it was like $500 oh, or something. Yeah. Uh, she had also thrown away. Rebecca had also thrown away family photos of Dina and Max, which the housekeeper took out of the trash and returned to Dina, Good. which is nice. Jonah and Rebecca's relationship wasn't perfect. Rebecca struggled with older kids. The older kids wanted more attention and affection from Jonah and was worried about not having kids, not ever getting married. Problems you might have if your boyfriend is 20-something years older than you. But overall, they did have a good routine. They were both health freaks. Rebecca didn't drink. They both worked out a bunch. They often spent time with the kids during the day, which I guess you can just do if you're multimillionaire whatever mm-hmm. went to the gym went out to dinner rebecca usually got up later than jonah um and went to bed earlier like nine or ten and they always had lunch together was their thing monday july 11th 2011 we know that specific dates are never good started as one of these normal days rebecca was making breakfast for the kids this was six-year-old max which again was jonah and dina's son and rebecca's 13-year-old sister Zena, had flown in from missouri to visit Um, from the night before Jonah was going off to the gym and then they were going to go to the beach later when he was back after Jonah left Zena and Max went to get changed for the beach Max's bedroom is on the third floor Zena was staying on the second floor all of a sudden Zena heard Rebecca scream for her she came downstairs to see Max on the floor with his head cradled in Rebecca's lap Rebecca's dog Ocean was barking incessantly and the chandelier that had been hanging in the stairway was now on the floor next to them with broken glass everywhere Rebecca told Zena to get her cell phone to call 911. And after some frantic searching, because they're looking for Rebecca's phone, Zena couldn't find it, finally found it, connects with the dispatcher at 10, 10 in the morning, puts it on speakerphone. Now, she's only 13. There's a ton of confusion. English is not her first language. She's young. This is obviously a very stressful situation. So they're pretty confused. But to what I think is incredibly impressive, they got the point across and an officer was to the house two minutes later. Wow. Wow. Yep, I guess that's what you get in a nice multi-million dollar yep. neighborhood. A lot of attention. 
So the police arrived and observed Rebecca kneeling next to Max, who was lying on his back beneath the staircase. His feet were facing the wall. His head was pointing toward the front door and a razor scooter was laying across his right shin. The chandelier, as I said, was on the floor near his left shoulder, right underneath where it had been hanging, and a soccer ball was nearby. Rebecca said she had given him CPR, but Max's heart was not beating. Paramedics began working on him, and Rebecca, of course, at that point called Jonah, who came home immediately, and then followed the ambulance to the hospital. Max still didn't have a pulse when he got to the hospital, but with two more doses of of epinephrine, um, they were able to restart his heart. He had been down for 25 to 30 minutes at this point. The police offered, so Jonah went and followed the ambulance himself. Rebecca and Zena were still home, so the police offered to bring Rebecca and Zena to the hospital. But on the way, Jonah called her to tell her not to come because she might be too upset and also Dina might be there. Now, Rebecca and Dina, they didn't have a great relationship. It was, quote unquote, civil at best, according to Jonah. So this was not entirely surprising. But since they were already on the way, the police didn't turn around. They just brought her there and they stayed in the car while the police went and checked on Max's condition and reported back. They did end up going into the ER lobby, but Jonah didn't come down and talk to them. So they were like, all right, I guess we'll go home. So the police bring them home. And once they got back, Rebecca asked if she could clean up the glass. And they said yes. And Zena was helping, but she ended up getting a bad cut because it's glass. So so bad that they actually had to go to the walk-in to get her stitches. Jeez. Great, great day. Yeah. So are you going to go into this, but was he struck by the chandelier? No. It, um, without giving anything away or talking too much about it, he, they think he grabbed it or like hit it on his way down. Is he riding his scooter down the stairs, kicking a soccer ball? And like, I'm trying to take all of the pieces of information you gave me and make it a game that he might have been playing. Yeah, it. I think everyone had the same questions because it was like, what the heck? Because nobody saw anything happen, so we don't know what happened. Does did Rebecca say she saw what happened in this? No, no. So she kind of found him. Yeah, she says she was in a bathroom just downstairs and came out and saw. Okay, this is what happened. So now while they're at the walk-in, um, Rebecca gets a phone call with a private number with a, a man with a stern voice, and she was apologizing, saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know. This is who, from who like, overheard this? the doctor's assistant who was in the office with her. Now at the hospital, Jonah was eventually joined by Dina. It took him a while to reach her because she had texted Jonah that morning to ask if he could, uh, if she could take Max later because she wasn't feeling well. And when Jonah said okay, she put in earplugs, took something to sleep, and turned off her phone. So she didn't respond till that afternoon. Is Max diabetic? Is that what this is? Nope. Okay. Nope. Because I'm trying to think like, did he have like like a crash? If no, it's a good guess. I didn't know. Okay. Never mind. Go ahead. And we'll talk about it later too. But the railing was too high for him to like just tip over it so now rebecca had talked with jonah during the day but not that much she did tell him at one point she wanted to board ocean the dog at a kennel she hadn't done so in coronado she was having trouble finding one who had taken him since he hadn't had all of his shots because he's only 14 months old she finally found someone from the kennel who would pick him up and bring him to the vet when she wanted to um so they they talked very little kind of texting throughout the day and later jonah asked her if she would go pick up dina's twin sister nina which again (laughs) i wrote lol there um from the airport which she did around 9 p.m that night they didn't know each other that well but when when rebecca saw nina she gave her a hug so long that nina was uncomfortable kind of understandable yeah very traumatic day 
But then on the car ride back, Nina asked, understandably, for more detail about Max's accident. And Rebecca said he fell from the bedroom. And when Nina said how she knew that, since she hadn't seen it happen, Rebecca just ignored the question and asked for directions. Rebecca brought Nina to the hospital and then dropped all her luggage off at Dina's, which is like right up the road from Jonah's house and went back home. I'm developing theories in my head. I bet you are. Yeah. You'll develop them and then they'll change and then you'll go back and forth. And yeah. Jonah came home briefly to shower and change and then went right back to the hospital. He texted Rebecca at 1.21 a.m., letting her know that he was going to find a hotel there and um, stay near the hospital. And she replied, encouraging him to get some sleep and just generally comforting him. Is that 1.21 on July 12th? Yes. Okay. Because it's so this, the Max's ac- accident happened in the morning on Monday, the 11th. 11th. So this is that night, but technically the next morning. Yeah. Okay. So he checked into his hotel at like 2 a.m. and then was back at the hospital at 6 a.m. You know, again, completely understandable. Around 8 a.m. the next morning, so this is now Tuesday, Rebecca called that kennel. They came out and got Ocean, which as an aside is so nice for them to yeah. like go out and they were going to take, give him his shots and like keep him in quarantine and then board him and just. I thought that was going above and beyond. Yeah, I know from trying to get care for Fallon. Like, I have to request it a month in advance, and they have Mm -hmm. to, like, have the availability for it. Yeah, we also don't live on a multi-million dollar I was going to say, uh, you can get whatever you want when you have that kind of money. Like, you could find a random place and be like, I will buy this out if you take my dog. And they're like, "Mm -hmm, yes, yes. yes." So they picked him up. Mm -hmm. So then uh, Rebecca texted Howard. So Howard is Jonah's longtime friend and Max's godfather. And he had flown in. Jonah had called him just, of course, upset. And so she offered to give him a ride to the hospital. Dina had gone home to get some rest. So Rebecca was allowed near Max's room. But Jonah said she shouldn't go in and sit with Max because it might upset her or Dina might come back. So Jonah just said, you know what, you should go home. And Howard stayed. So Jonah's dad, Gideon, awesome name. It's a great name. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I, I am having a hard time with Nina and Dina, Dina. or Zena and Dina. Zena, well, Dina, and Nina. There's three of them. Yes. Yeah. Yep. There are three. What, what are each of their roles? So <laughs> Zena is Rebecca's younger sister. She's 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was present at the at the mansion. And that's at, why she, she yelled made for the her, her sister. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were also the only people home. Okay. So it was Rebecca, Zena, and Max that were the ones home. Jonah had gone to the gym. Okay. Dina is Jonah's ex-wife, and Nina is her twin sister. Okay, so they're Nina and Dina are not children. Correct. Okay. And Dina yep. is Max's mother. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. And Max is six. So Jonah's dad, Gideon, had called Jonah's brother, Adam, to tell him about Max the day it happened, so Monday. Adam was reluctant to come. He just, like, didn't. He was like, what am I going to do there? And so he eventually flew in because mary his long-term girlfriend was like yes you need to go there and just be with your family so he does he flies in the next day now rebecca had decided that Zena, her sister should go back home because this is just a bad situation you know it it's certainly not the vacation she was going to stay for a month certainly not what that was going to be wow so she drops uh, rebecca drops Zena off at the airport and picks adam up in the same trip Adam and Rebecca go to the hospital and it was time for Howard, who was Jonah's friend, to leave. So Jonah, he had a separate car, drove him to the airport and then Adam, Rebecca and Jonah went to dinner. So at some point you have to eat. Then they went back to Jonah's hotel room where Rebecca asked for some time alone and she hugged him and cried for eight minutes. 
or about eight minutes, which Adam noted was just like, that's like a really long time because Adam was just kind of standing there. That would be waiting. so uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's obviously very emotional. She's comforting, whatever. But that just seemed like eight minutes is a really long time. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he like timed it on his phone, but it, you know, or whatever watch. She was like, I'm going to yeah. reward you with eight minutes of uninterrupted <laughs> hugging and crying. Yes. All right. So after that, uh, Rebecca drove Adam back to the mansion on the way she mentioned how quote things could have been different if the dobermans still had been there a week earlier wait dobermans oh you're gonna go into it dogs are people a doberman is a dog no i didn't know if that was like their last name oh no i I followed what you okay (laughs) okay uh the doberman dog was still there okay um a week earlier uh, Jonah had flown in a Doberman puppy intended to be a security, like trained to be a security dog. According to Rebecca, this is because Jonah had gotten sick from some sushi at a restaurant and was worried that someone was trying to poison him. Jonah said that wasn't true, that that's not what happened. He said that they just weren't really security conscious in general and just thought it was a good idea to have some more security. And in fact, he said, literally everyone has access to his house. The back door is often unlocked, basically no security. So they decided on a dog. Um, I also don't think I looked up when Ring became popular because I was like, wouldn't you have if you had a lot of money, you'd probably have some security cameras. But Ring didn't even become popular for another couple of years. So maybe I don't know. They they was, weren't security conscious. though. Was it a gated community? Probably. I didn't actually look up the place. So I think that's why they just, you know, it was they always in fact, Dina was like nothing bad ever happens here. You know, classic. That's what mm-hmm. you always say before something yeah. bad happens. But I also would think that like very, very rich people who live in gated communities with million dollar houses, they'd be like, I always leave my back door unlocked. This is the safest neighborhood Literally. ever because you have like security and walls all around, <laughs> yeah, exactly. all around your entire neighborhood. Exactly. So, I mean, they did end up paying someone like $10,000 to train the dog. Um, but a neighbor met the dog and told Rebecca it was cute. And Rebecca said the dog was supposed to be intimidating. And then a couple days later, Rebecca insisted they send the dog back. It's not the dog's fault that it's cute. And then when the neighbor saw her a few days later, Rebecca had an injured knee. She said she was riding her bike with Ocean and Ocean pulled her. But then she said she wished they had kept the other dog. So very strange. Wait, Those what? Weird statements. Very <laughs> weird. Very weird and, statements. Okay. Is she a sociopath? Like... I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So now when Rebecca and Adam get back to the house, Adam could tell that Rebecca was very upset, but she wanted to be alone. So he went to the guest house where he was staying, took some Ambien. There's no TV out there. He was just like, yep. And was asleep by nine. We're talking about July 12th still, right? The Correct. next day. Okay. Yep. Yep. Now, Rebecca talked with her family a bit more. So this is Tuesday. Uh, she talked to Mary, her sister. So Adam's girlfriend is named Mary and Rebecca's older sister is named Mary. So sorry. Do you do this on purpose? Do I don't. Pick, I just do you find pick them. cases with like 87 players yeah, that I'm, you have to like break it down every time you open your mouth? I am not creating a web for this one. <laughs> I appreciate though that you do the introductions every time yeah, you reference yeah, them because it helps my very yeah. slow tired brain when their names all rhyme it's very difficult oh my god it's like what is it with (laughs) dina nina zena mary and mary (laughs) dina nina and zena with the dobermans it's like (laughs) ethel edna ruth i know oh my god i didn't even mean to do that okay sorry so so rebecca talks to her sister her older sister we'll leave it at that on the phone while dropping her younger sister off at the airport um so that was earlier that day and then mentioned coming to visit in september that she and jonah had talked about engagement 
that what her plans were for the next day, just like regular conversation. She texted with both of her sisters just before nine that night saying she loved them, but she talked to Mary again later that night. So it wasn't abnormal that she said that she loved them. She, when she talked to her older sister, Mary, um, she asked if she should call her parents, their parents to explain why Zena had the cut on her and why she sent her home and all that. But Mary had just been on the phone with them and was like, do you want to talk to them? I can transfer you. Remember that? Remember doing oh, yeah. transfers? Um, How and, old was Rebecca at the time? Uh, 32. Okay. Thir- yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. I'm getting all my ages confused. Um, so she said no she'll call her parents in the morning jonah left the hospital that night around 12 30 a.m so now this is technically wednesday morning he called rebecca at 12 48 a.m and left a voicemail with the update that the doctors were now saying if max ever woke up he would never talk or walk again that's devastating news. Yep. six years old I, i'm not surprised given he didn't have a pulse yeah. for almost half an hour yep. exactly so Jonah was a bit concerned when Rebecca didn't answer, but decided it was really late. She probably probably went to bed. So he went to bed, too. He woke up a few hours later with a really bad feeling. So he called the ICU to check on Max at about 5.13 a.m., but no change. So he went back to sleep and then got up shortly after and went over to the hospital a little before 7. He still had not heard from Rebecca at this point. So this is now Wednesday morning. Adam had gotten up around three to go to the bathroom, but otherwise slept through the night. Thank you, Ambien. Um, until about 6.15 in the morning. He knew he had some time to kill before being able to go to the hospital, though. So he decided to watch a little porn on his phone. Mm-hmm. Then he took a shower and got dressed. Now, he had been planning to go to town to get breakfast, but figured he would be a nice guest and go check in with Rebecca. So he walked out of the guest house around 6.40 a.m. and noticed something in the courtyard. Mm. He thought it was a mannequin hanging from the balcony and then realized it was Rebecca. So I had a hard time picturing this when I was listening to it because I just couldn't figure out where it was. So oh, you couldn't you, you weren't comparing it to your courtyard <laughs> and balcony. Mine, yeah. mine is a little different. My balcony is not in the courtyard. It faces the ocean. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where the confusion comes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So <gasps> preposterous. <laughs> preposterous. Yeah. I want to be able to watch my yacht walks wax. Um, so let me show you, I'm going to pause and show you guys the top down view and gremlins. This will be posted on the Instagram, but I just think it's much more helpful to have a picture of this. So I'm pausing. Okay. So now you have a picture of where the, where the, uh, balcony is and the courtyard and all that. So Adam comes out and decides to cut her down when he sees her. So he ran to the kitchen through the unlocked kitchen door because they leave their door open grabbed a serrated knife from the butcher block and then called 911 while he was doing all this at 6.48 a.m. When they asked for an address, he said, I'll call you back, but he actually just put the phone down as the dispatcher was asking if she was still alive. The dispatcher could hear sounds of scraping and swearing. Adam said it's because he had to drag a table over to reach her body like a patio table. I wonder in that scenario whether i would leave the person because i'm concerned it's a crime yeah. and there's evidence or if i'd be like what if this just happened exactly i so, don't think my brain would quickly assess the situation i would probably just sit there frozen yeah and do exactly nothing. so he and he could be hear, heard asking her if she was alive um and then saying he was going to do cpr he still didn't have the address and after he got rebecca's body down he ended up having to go all the way to the front of the house to get the number The dispatcher tried to help him through CPR and said he could count out loud, to which he spontaneously 
started at 28 despite <laughs> having been answering questions so it's not like he was counting silently he had been answering questions out loud right before that I, so. yeah. <laughs> I often pick the number i want to start counting on too yep, yep. she's like okay we're gonna do cpr right now ready he's like yes 43 44 45. <laughs> so overall i mean adam was really confused in his 911 call he said he had just woken up he noted the wrong place of the body he said it was in the guest house which it wasn't and as i said when relaying the address he just he was like oh the police had just been here the day before for max but it was really two days before and he never referred to rebecca as his brother's girlfriend he just said a girl i've got a girl here the pol same police officer that had responded for max's accident arrived at 6 52 a.m so four minutes after he started the call Again. he's like this is an unlucky property yep <laughs> yep um uh, he saw adam kneeling next to rebecca whose body was contorted probably the way that adam had taken her down she was lying on the ground on the grass next to the brick walkway between the guest house and the main house. She was completely naked. Her wrists and ankles were bound behind her with red boating rope. This rope was also around her neck. A blue t-shirt was gagged in her mouth, and the rest of the red rope was hanging from an iron railing of the second story balcony outside. Her knees were bent in to the side in almost a 90 degree angle. And they ruled this a suicide? It doesn't fascinate mm -hmm. the police officer then tried to do compressions but as the paramedics arrived they realized she was cool and rigor mortis not like cool but like <laughs> but also cool <laughs> but also cool and rigor mortis had set in so they pronounced her dead adam began texting jonah at 653 so right after the cops got there when jonah finally returned his call at 702 a.m he was devastated Adam told him that Rebecca had taken her own life, but wouldn't tell him any more details because he was already upset. He was so upset that he actually just hung up on his brother. So that was like a two minute call. And they talked a bunch more times that morning, sometimes for as long as like 13 minutes. Coming on that scene, though, you're just going out on a limb and saying that it's suicide. If I walked upon that scene and someone was gagged and had their hands tied behind yeah. them and their legs tied and they were hanging, I'd be like, wow, they were attacked and murdered. And that's why we have this case. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, the T-shirt the in the mouth has to be mm -hmm. the weirdest part of it all because, you know, when I was questioning, like, okay, the hands being tied, you're like, well, maybe they didn't want to, like, gut reaction, but, like... Muffle mm -hmm. her scream. She wanted to muffle her own so screams. So nobody would so come help her? Yeah, so that nobody came out and caught oh, her. That's an interesting one. I didn't read that suggestion. That's a good one. You didn't read it? I just said it. <laughs> no, I just mean that's not one <laughs> that other people said. <laughs> Justifying oh, suicide. I'm so smart. <laughs> Are you? Okay. No. This time. <laughs> so although the medical examiner's office was notified of the body at 8.09 a.m., they mm. didn't come and pick up the body until 7.14 p.m. Gross. So there were actually neighbors, like, standing on their roofs, like, looking because it was such a, a display so that was unfortunate wow uh the main house was secured pretty early but the guest house wasn't secured until 10 20 a.m which is like three hours after adam's initial call police began canvassing the house once the search warrant came in at 4 26 p.m and didn't start the guest house until 6 30. now this mansion is over 12,000 square feet including the guest house and all this like it has other stuff on the property the main house has a basement attic and three levels of living space the first floor had a foyer a living room sunroom kitchen and dining room the second level had two bedrooms one of which was used both as a guest room and a painting studio for rebecca the master bedroom was on the top level as well as the three bedrooms for each of jonah's kids now on the second floor what the police found 
was the carpet outside of the guest room spattered with four drops of blood next to a green and white striped towel that also had dried blood on it. They also found a drop of blood in the master bath shower, which again was one floor up, but no trail of blood leading there. No signs of struggle. I'm so mad. It's, I'm it's so mad. only going to get worse. Like, I'm so mad. Like small amounts of blood that like I could have cut myself yes. shaving maybe. I know that's our favorite example. Yep. And yes, it is that mm-hmm. little. Okay. Yep. In the guest room, there was a message on the door. It's a white door. And in black paint, it said, she saved him. And then under that, can you save her? No punctuation, all capitals, black paint. What? <laughs> the red rope that Rebecca had hung from was tied to the leg of the bed in the guest room. Based on the indentation of the carpet, they could tell the, the rope was t- the bed that the rope was tied to had moved about seven and a half inches. In that same room, there were also two paint brus- brushes, a tube of black paint, a chef's knife, a steak knife, a cell phone, a white plastic bag, and an overturned white wicker chair. Her cell phone? Yes. Okay. Yep. There was also a book on the bookshelf called Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft, which featured hand-drawn pictures of subjects bound in different positions. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Who's... This is just a guest bedroom? Yes. And it's also uh, Rebecca's... Painting painting studio. studio. Yep. So there's not a person who normally stays there that would be reading the witchcraft material. (laughs) No, correct. And it it was the room that Xena, her sister, was staying in, though. Hmm. Xena's a good witchy name, though. Yeah, she is. It was not her book. (laughs) (laughs) Do you Um, know that? I actually don't, but I just don't think... I don't think it doesn't hers. fit. Yeah. Okay. Don't say it like it's a fact that <laughs> you don't know that. It's a grim fact. It could be. It could be Zena's witchcraft book. Um, okay. So then, so the there were French doors that led out to the balcony that Rebecca had hung from, hanged from. Mm. I don't know what. It, In I that case, I think hanged. it's. Yeah. I think it's hanged. Okay. The right side of the French door leading out to the balcony was latched closed. The left side was open. The balcony itself had dirt and dust on it. They found two somewhat V-shaped impressions, one to the left of the doorway and one just inside the railing, so like foot impressions in the dust. One single larger impression farther to the left of the doorway. One was about 11 inches wide and the other was a half inch area of about four inches to the right where the rope was hanging over. There were wet, muddy shoe prints on the kitchen floor, so we're back down on the first floor, leading from the back door to the knife drawer. The knife block in the kitchen had 11 slots, six of which were empty. Um, One of the knives was lying across the top. Two of the knives, the chef's knife and the steak knife, were in the guest room. So those were the two knives that that I mentioned. Where were the other three? Oh, you're going to tell me. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me the toxicology. Where are the knives? (laughs) I got so excited. The third knife with the serrated blade was what Adam used to cut Rebecca down. So that was outside. And they were all matching with a black handle and three round silver rivets. And investigators determined that all the items in the guest room were from the house or garage. Like, they were from that property. Wait, where's the other two knives? Were you doing that math? Because six, let's see. One, two, three, four. I don't know. <laughs> they it's, it's, they, they were in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They probably were. <laughs> they probably okay. were. I they, just didn't know if it was relevant. It, it isn't. I just... So there were, were nine. Were the muddy shoe prints from Adam running in the house I getting the knife? So. Yeah. Yep. I've set the scene for you. Over the next couple of days, the police dug into their investigation as well as questioning key people. So we'll start with Adam. And I'll tell you kind of what each of these folks said. So Adam said he didn't need a lawyer because he hadn't done anything wrong. Now... If you've learned nothing, Gremlins, 
A, you always need a lawyer. B, shut up. up. (laughs) This is that Dylan Ward ambient defense again. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I don't know. Sleeping pills. So they they questioned him on you know general timeline which he gave details about his relationships with Rebecca Jonah everybody they checked him for injuries signs of struggle anything of, under his fingernails etc and obviously got his DNA he was later asked to take a polygraph and after talking with Jonah and his long term girlfriend uh, they said go ahead don't worry no, about a lawyer and so he did <laughs> during the test he got two calls from the same number on his phone which he didn't answer. After the test, he said it was a lawyer, because he had listened to the voicemail, who had reached out because someone, they never know who, but I'm guessing Jonah, had asked the lawyer to help Adam. This lawyer, uh, his name is Paul, was the former former DA of San Diego County and one of the best criminal defense lawyers in in the area. And by ask the lawyer to help, he means he gave him a hefty retainer and was like, please represent him quickly. 100%. -hmm. So... Paul had gone to the mansion first looking for Adam and he was allowed to cross the yellow crime tape and was photographed with a detective's arm around him because he knows all these people. So that was a little Mm. controversial. When he finally got a hold of Adam, Adam still said he didn't need a lawyer and the results of the uh, polygraph were inconclusive. So they decided, you know, it's not worth giving another one, which we know polygraphs are not, they're not great. They're not incredibly reliable or helpful in any way. They, that's fine. Yeah, I would fail my name. I'm telling you. They'd exactly. be like, what's your name? I'm like, I swear it's Marina. I swear. <laughs> They'd be like, ma'am, your heart rate is 160 beats per minute. <laughs> Here's an ambient. Um, <laughs> the police uh, a few days later said when they were investigating Adam that they had basically eliminated him as a suspect because he was co- cooperative. He passed the polygraph, gave DNA. So they weren't worried about him. Now, Neil, remember Neil, Rebecca's ex-husband at this point, he hadn't even heard or been aware of Rebecca's death until a reporter called him uh, on the 14th. So what a uh, way to find out. Yeah, that's yucky. He said uh, on the day of all of this happening, he was at the lab at the college that he worked at. And then he was at the gym. Like he had, you know, he was places that were not the mansion. Uh, They asked her, him about her state of mind, trying to see if she was insecure, mentally at risk, depressed, but he couldn't really identify anything, which (laughs) as an aside, she had some trouble. You yes. know, maybe not specifically these things, but couple red flags. Yeah, right. Couple. You would think. Yeah. Um, but he said he couldn't imagine anyone wanting to hurt Rebecca, and also couldn't imagine her com- wanting to commit suicide. So, th- those were his thoughts. Now there were a couple of I won't say eyewitnesses because they did not see anything happen, but a couple of witnesses. So the police had an interview with one of the neighbors two doors down, named Marsha Allison. She was in her seventies. Um, she had an open window facing that way as well as one in the back, and she was watching TV at 11.30 p.m. She heard some kids talking outside, and then a few minutes later heard a woman scream, help. She wasn't sure if she heard it from the window facing the mansion or the one in the back, and then in a later interview, she said she thought the woman was on the sidewalk. She said she never called police because she thought if she looked out the window, she'd get shot. That's literally what it said. Uh, Ultimately, they dismissed her as a witness because they figured she had just heard kids on the sidewalk like yeah not not super reliable and then one of the detectives said he wouldn't she wouldn't have even been able to hear a scream from the mansion anyway she vehemently disagrees with that but 
there's that so that's one witness do you think it was just one of those people that wanted to be involved i wonder they're like i heard a noise i was washing my dishes right. and <laughs> or she definitely did hear kids and kids scream help yep. like i had there was a kid a couple houses down from me i think in a pool you know kids scream all the time in a pool yes and like i thought to myself because i was working on this case and i was like hopefully that kid's alive you know like they, i mean scream for like five minutes and then you know i could hear them laughing so that would be unfortunately <laughs> but, with kids screaming especially in a neighborhood in mm-hmm. the summer it would be one of those hindsight is 2020 mm-hmm. things where you hear the kids screaming and you're like oh the kids i hear kids screaming in my neighborhood yeah. all the time i'm like oh they're playing in the pool and then there'd be like a news report at night and they're like yeah. child murdered in kitty pool and yeah. you'd just be devastated yeah but who would have known you would think you'd know the difference between like a serious scream and not but i think kids seriously yeah. scream when they're in the yeah, pool yeah they do yeah anyway uh, another witness jim hager he was originally um from austin texas and he was renting a house a few blocks down he had been coming to coronado for 13 years so he had gone there a bunch he and his wife and two boys were out on a bike ride that night which took them past the mansion he witnessed a woman at the front door of the mansion which was completely dark fidgeting with the doorknob as if it wasn't her house then she turned walked slowly down the steps and headed toward him on the front path then she looked around again, changed direction, and pivoted toward the driveway. He described her as a bit stockier, heavier in the hips, and between 5'5 five, five and 5'9, five, maybe 40 or 50 years old. So not Rebecca. No, no. she's. You will see Gremlins if you're looking at the Instagram. She's very petite, very short, I think 5'3, um, and like 30 years old. She also, she did have dark shoulder length hair pulled into a ponytail. She was wearing a black and white short sleeved shirt and uh, had a bag they all went on their way and she they stopped at the starbucks to get tea so they knew what time it was it was, it was around 10 or 10 20 when he saw her after hearing everything on the news he looked up a picture of dina so this is jonah's ex i was gonna and ask was if that was fairly confident that he had seen her so he tells the police oh oh so he the person he saw yep. fidgeting with the doorknob he identified as dina he did however hospital records show that both dina and jonah were at the hospital room talking to the doctor at 10 38 so she was um dina was still there when jonah left at 12 30 and uh nina says nope that was me i was at the hospital i mean i was at the mansion even though she has lighter hair i was just about to say that's why eyewitness accounts are absolute garbage Uh because he was like it was dina but then her twin sister was like nope it was Mm -hmm. me now they are fraternal twins so they they do look different but it was dark yeah she had her hair pulled back like it it was nina nina recounts that that night she was driving home from the hospital she borrowed Jonah's car and it was eating away at her that she didn't know how Max had gotten so hurt. So she went to Dina's uh, where her son was with a couple friends and then texted Rebecca at 940 asking if she was awake. When she heard nothing, she decided to walk down. I mean, it's really close. Walk down to the mansion. The house was dark, but Rebecca's car was there and there was a light on in the second floor guest room. But the rest of the house, including the guest house, was dark and it was only at 10 that point. So she went back to Dina's house and all sorts of like she talked to people on the phone on the way she has records texts other witnesses yep. that she was back at the house and adam took the ambient around nine mm-hmm. right okay so if the guest mm-hmm. he's probably asleep out yeah out cold not watching porn at that point that nope. was in the morning <laughs> okay so that's those are a couple witnesses we're going to move on to jonah in his questioning jonah said if they thought it was suspicious they should look into Re- rebecca's ex-husband neil who sent her these strange pleading texts nearly every day Jonah said Neil wasn't stalking her, but that he would ask her to go to lunch, tell her he missed her, and just generally do anything to get back with her. When they asked him about the ropes, 
he, he they were like do you have a lot of ropes around are they red by any chance he said he doesn't have much but most of what he had was white except for he had some stuff for boating they did have some red or orange rope that came with the inner tube that they would you know bring the kids okay. around on his yacht yeah i'm sure it was a quote-unquote boat aka yacht um he also said rebecca didn't typically sleep in the nude she would wear pjs or something so she wasn't often naked around the house um, and asked if he thought Dina could have done it. She, he said no, because she wouldn't have been strong enough. Rebecca had learned martial arts from <laughs> her friend, Michael. Yep. And she was pretty fit. And, um, you know, Dina didn't outwardly blame Rebecca for Max's condition. But she had been weirdly happy when she found out Rebecca had died. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> well, he also said, you know, that she he thought Dina wanted to get back with him. But were there any small hypodermic needle marks on Rebecca's body? I was thinking about all this. No. Um, So he, Jonah also said he didn't think Rebecca would have killed herself because she was so considerate that she wouldn't have done that to him and that she didn't seem to blame herself for anything with Max. Uh, But if she had killed herself, he thought there must have been more to what happened with Max. And what was the message on the door? She saved him. Can Can you you save save her? her? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a terrible suicide note, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, Jonah also theorized that if someone was nefarious with this, it, maybe they were really out to get Jonah because, by hurting those he loved. Mm-hmm. So he and his that friend Howard had discussed three possibilities. There were um, three people that had all been at corporate events at the mansion. Not that day, but just in the past. So there was a man who couldn't find a job after leaving the company. Uh, another employee had been fired after he was accused of sexual assault and then someone else who just i don't know why they named this, this guy but he had gone to another company and t- but texted jonah on the 14th thoughts and prayers which i don't think that's bad that doesn't make someone suspicious no, he's just being considerate yeah. <laughs> um but jonah was actually supposed to be out of town that week and people at the company knew that so it that didn't seem likely either like break in gone bad kind that's of kind of where he was headed knew? yeah that's okay. kind of where he was headed and i don't think he didn't sound too convinced that he was just kind right. of talking this through um he did ask if they could put out the police could put out to the press that he wasn't a suspect because the speculation was causing his company's stock to plummet Ooh, yeah. obviously they didn't make any promises basically we're like no we can't do that um and throughout the whole questioning, Jonah did a lot of speculating out loud, trying to think of who would do this to Rebecca since he didn't believe it was an accident and neither did her family. So let's talk about Rebecca's family. The Zahows say they never received official notification of Rebecca's death. The reports say that they were notified at noon that day, uh, but they notified Rebecca's sister's husband because they thought it was her brother. So they like picked the wrong person. So jonah ended up being the one to actually contact the family um and then he he called the rebecca's brother-in-law and then ended up asking a police officer in the town that the family lived in to notify them and so the sister called jonah when she heard and he was like i don't really want to talk to you i'm going to give you adam's number my brother because i guess i mean there's a lot going on he's dealing he's dealing with a lot so but when the sister called adam he said he didn't want to talk to her and that he quote didn't want to push somebody else off the edge oh wait who said that to who adam said that to rebecca's sister he didn't want to push someone Mm -hmm. else what a poor choice of words (laughs) to make yourself sound super suspicious for sure for sure so in this investigation, they did a bunch of testing, as you would expect, through the house. Rebecca's DNA was found on the knots of the rope that were tied around her, as well as the door jam leading into the guest room. 
one of the balcony doors on the chef's knife and on the bed leg where the rope was anchored. Adam, Nina, and Zena's <laughs> DNA imprints were not found. And then they didn't look for Jonah or, ne- or Dina's because they knew Jonah and Dina were at the hospital. So they weren't worried about them. And secu- they have like security camera proving this. Now on Rebecca's laptop, they found that on the morning of July 12th. So this was the night that, um, that Max had his accident. Someone had looked at porn starting at 1.30, ending a couple hours later, and there were no similar searches in the months leading up to the deaths. Hmm. Just an interesting fact. Just like an invader came in, yeah. Yeah. grabbed her laptop, Very watched strange. some porn. For multiple Laugh. hours. Exactly. <laughs> Apparently. Now, they also found that Jonah's voicemail on Rebecca's phone had been deleted, but she also had no other voicemails, and it seemed to just be, that's what she does. She just deletes her voicemails after she listens. So interestingly because that was deleted there's no nobody knows i mean jonah says what he said but there's no proof of anything that he said you can't recover a deleted voicemail because i can recover them from my phone (laughs) this was also in 2011 Mm -hmm. so i suspect like i think we forget how that was 11 years ago so i think we forget how far technology has come since then because i had the same thought but they could not get it i feel like they must be on servers the iphone existed Mm. though yeah it did i don't know I don't think that I don't okay. know if you had like visual voicemail though, and that's why yep. we can recover it because you're not really deleting it; you're like fake deleting it. So Steve Jobs was fully spying on everyone. Yes, yes. <laughs> definitely. So let's talk about. I'm sure you have questions. So let's talk about Rebecca's autopsy. Yes. Tell so me. the first thing I'll note is in this 19-page report, outside experts and observers significantly differed in their opinion of like. So the the actual uh, medical examiner went through and did this report and people who looked at it, experts who looked at it later said, mm, I don't agree. So I'll just note that hmm. we'll talk much more about that in the second episode, but okay. so on Rebecca's body, they found several evenly spaced areas of sticky tan gray tape residue on both legs. She did not have tape on her legs when they found her hmm. smears of black paint on her right nipple left breast and the right side of her lower back upper arm clavicle ring fingernail index finger and the base of her thumb and if you didn't look at the images yet the words were written in black yes. paint. Mm-hmm. yep and that's the same they found a paintbrush and a tube of black paint in the guest room which is her art studio same. yep she had four subgaleal hemorrhages on her scalp she had the is it pec pectici how do you say that Petechiae. Petechiae. She had petechiae, which are the tiny broken blood vessels on her face, eyes, and mouth. And that is typically found in cases of hanging and strangulation. Mm-hmm. Her spinal cord and cervical vertebrae, vertebrae were intact, but her cricoid and thyroid cartilages and hyoid bone were fractured. Okay. So we'll talk about that also, about what that all means. She had abrasions and contusions all over her body, her back, her abdomen, her arms, her legs. She had dirt on the soles of her feet and on her left hip and thigh. She had dried blood on her upper inner thighs and genital area and on two fingers on her right hand, but no visible bleeding injuries. She had a laceration on one finger, but it didn't look recent. And blood was noted in her vagina and around her cervix, but no visible trauma or signs of sexual assault. Toes on both feet had dried blood on them. And none of the blood was ever tested to see if it was menstrual blood. She was on her period. Mm. Mm. 
that was my watch. Just it was, <laughs> but it was her blood. It was. Okay. Lividity, which is where the blood pools due to gravity, um, typically invisible purple areas, were, according to the report, quote, appropriate for the decedent's position. It was horizontally around, along the rear portion of her butt, her entire right calf, and across her back. Horizontally. So, like, the back part of it. Mm-hmm. The rope that bound her was a few portions cut from a longer water ski rope. The knot around her right wrist was a loose slip knot, which could have been easily removed. And the one around her left wrist was much tighter. She right-handed? Uh, I don't, they didn't say. Okay. Because um, I'm thinking if yeah, I were tying. I think yeah. so. Mm. The end of the rope that tightened the noose around her neck was still clutched in her left hand. The rope around her ankles was in a similar slip knot. Her neck had the two ligature furrows, which are like red and purple bruised areas. And the long sleeve shirt, that blue shirt that was wrapped around her neck, was wrapped around three times and over the rope and her hair. And there I were thought n- that was in her mouth. It was like all the way around her head. Oh, yep. Okay. yep. Um, and there were no alcohol or drugs in her system. Okay. Okay. Now, unfortunately, Rebecca's would not be the only autopsy performed that week. Oh, boy. Oh, no, Max. Max, Max was deemed brain dead two minutes before midnight on Friday, July 15th. The official declaration they needed a different doctor um, came in at 1130 on Saturday morning. His liver and kidneys were donated to three recipients. This was understandably upsetting, but even more so because everyone thought because Rebecca had performed CPR when he first fell that he would survive. They said it multiple times. Everyone was like, it's really bad, but it's okay. She saved him. Hmm. Now, having completed their investigation, the police called a news conference on September 2nd, 2011. This is the one that I started the intro with stating that what happened was Max was running down the hall on the second floor and that something had caused him to trip falling over the railing. Max grabbed for the chandelier on his way down. The autopsy said that the cause of death was contusion to the upper cervical spinal cord. He had injuries to his forehead, under his right eye, and the midline fracture on the frontal bone indicated that he had struck the carpet face first. If these were his only injuries, he might have survived, but the fall caused his spinal cord to hyperextend and bend his head backward. The lack of oxygen caused irreversible damage to his brain. And... They also said that Rebecca had listened to Jonah's voicemail about Max's deteriorating condition and that she took her own life. Where did the razor scooter come in? Wasn't it like was, over his legs? Mm-hmm. It all allegedly fell with him. He Oh, so he was razor scootering yeah. down the stairwell. Yeah. Down the hallway near the stairwell or something like yep. that. Yep. Hmm. So for Rebecca, what the police said is she went down to the garage, found the rope among the boating items, leaving a space on the otherwise full shelf. Returning to the mansion, she either removed her clothing or was already naked, painted the message on the door, cut the rope into sections, hence the knives, placed the t-shirt around her neck, fashioned her bindings, leaned forward over the exterior balcony railing, and went overhead first. To show that this was possible, so you guys picked up on this in the beginning, they played a videotape of a female deputy as she tied bindings in front of her while seated in a figure eight fashion around her wrists. Then she pulled one hand out of the loop, put the bindings behind her, and then inserted her hand back through the loop, tightening the slip knot by pulling down on the end of the rope. Fingerprints found on the entry door and its door jam, the balcony door, 
The chef's knife and the bed leg where the rope was anchored were all Rebecca's. DNA profiles taken from the bindings and the steak knife were only from Rebecca. The V-shaped impressions on the dust and the balcony floor right outside the door and just short of the railing were consistent with her feet and ankles being bound as she hopped towards the railing, then leaned forward, went over it as if the toes had slipped backward. The 11-inch disturbance in the dust along the railing corresponded to the width of her petite hip bones, and the half-inch area cleared of dust was consistent with the rope rubbing where it went over the edge. The scattered abrasions on her back and legs were consistent with her body hitting the large plants against the exterior of the house, and there was no evidence of a struggle or a sexual assault, and there were no other significant injuries. They concluded that Rebecca's death was a suicide and Max's was an accident. Jonah, Adam, Dina, and Nina were all cleared by authorities, and the case was closed. Okay, if this was a suicide, <laughs> I'm wondering if in her final sociopathic move she leaves this trail of confusing evidence mm. to be mm-hmm. like screw all of you mm-hmm. because i the message on the door mm-hmm. like fine if the evidence all matches up with like her being able to do it like what is the message on the door mm-hmm. and it's not even accurate because she would have gotten the voicemail knowing mm-hmm. that max's health is deteriorating so she didn't she would know she hadn't saved him exactly right yep so I'm guessing you're probably as displeased with the police's statement in closing the case as I am. I'm mad. I'm, uh, I am yeah. displeased. <laughs> so two, two deaths occurred in the same house in less than a week. The circumstances of both deaths, deaths were suspicious, and there are many open questions. Yet the police cleared all the key people. Why did Rebecca kill herself? Was she responsible for Max's death and she couldn't stand the guilt? Or was she killed? If so, was it revenge for Max's death? Or did someone kill them both? You will have to wait until next episode for us to discuss that. We'll discuss all of that as well as the trials. There is a trial, but I'll still leave you in suspense. Um, I will also add you'll probably still be displeased at the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I would love to hear everyone's initial theories and questions. Um, So if you can add your thoughts on our Instagram when we post, we'll have handful of pictures it's at grim crime podcast on instagram and follow us for more case photos and more information on future episodes and as always if you are enjoying listening to grim please rate and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts we are now on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts stitcher and amazon music and if you want to send us a case suggestion like Colby's sister did, or just say hi, you can email us at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, listen, learn, and stay alive till next time. I hate you, oh, but it's a hateful respect. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>